0: Welcome to the OnTech Protective Intelligence Podcast. I'm Fred Burton, the Executive Director of the OnTech Center for Protective Intelligence. During my years as a counterterrorism agent with the U.S. State Department and time spent as a physical security expert in the private sector, I've seen it all and met many fascinating people along the way. This podcast series explores the riveting world of protective intelligence through conversations with leaders in the security field. I'm Fred Burton, and now on to the podcast. Hi, I'm Fred Burton here today with Dr. Robert A. Whitson, who has written Injustice, Why John Benet Ramsey Was Murdered by a Sadistic Psychopath, Not Her Parents. Bob was a police officer in Boulder, Colorado for 30 years and worked a variety of assignments. He taught criminal justice as an adjunct to college students for six years in Denver while working on his Ph.D. in criminal justice. He currently teaches criminal justice full-time in Fort Lauderdale, Florida for the past 10 years. Bob, thanks for being on the ONTIC Protective Intelligence Podcast.
1: Well, thank you very much, Fred. Uh, Thank you for inviting me to be on there.
0: Well, you directly worked on a case that I followed for years. Uh, For those who may not be familiar with the case, Bob, could you give us a thumbnail sketch as to what happened that Christmas night in December of 1996?
1: Well, uh, the Ramsey family uh, consisted of Mr. and Mrs. Ramsey and their six-year-old daughter, John JonBenet, and their nine-year-old son, Burke Ramsey. And we believe that Sometime during the night, John Binet was taken to the basement of the Ramses home, and she was, in essence, tortured and murdered. But there was a ransom note that had been left in the home, a three page ransom note, that then started an extensive investigation that is now going on for. 24 years, and the case still remains unsolved.
0: Wow. Bob, this was probably one of the most high-profile investigations affecting a high-net-worth family in modern history. Looking back, what is the single most important aspect of the case that stands out that most people don't know?
1: Well, I was not part of the initial ongoing investigation. I retired from the police department nine years later, and prior to my retirement, I had investigated a uh, person who had committed a series of stranger sex assaults where the person would break into homes in the middle of the night and uh, commit the, the rapes. So I believe that there may be a connection between that person and the Ramsey case, and the thinking with the people that had been involved in the ongoing investigation was that Mr. and Mrs. Ramsey were involved with John Bonet's death, uh, specifically Mrs. Ramsey. And I basically disagreed with that opinion. And so after I retired, I contacted a couple people who were involved uh, with the investigation, mainly Lou Smith who uh, was the main person who believed that uh, an unknown suspect had broken into the house and and committed the crime, not the Ramseys. So I worked with with Lou and the more and more information I found about it. And then because of the Ramsey case, I decided to study psychopathy uh, for my dissertation. And that's the one thing that I really want to emphasize. The mainstream news media has just never really covered the behaviors at the crime scene, which are consistent with sadistic and psychopathic uh, behaviors. And since Mrs. Ramsey was not a psychopath and Mr. Ramsey is not a psychopath, this information just supports their innocence.
0: Bob, your book is fascinating, Injustice, and you make a very compelling argument that the true suspect watched the house, and had actually entered the residence before the Ramseys got home that night, which is just simply frightening. In your assessment, how long do you think he surveilled the residence? And any speculation on your part on how he may have conducted that surveillance?
1: There's the other suspect that I just mentioned who had been involved with the uh, series of rapes actually admitted to us that he would go into homes uh, sometimes before and uh, case the homes and then come back later to do his uh, sex assaults. Specifically with the Ramsey case, we believe that the suspect entered the house that evening while the Ramseys were gone and that he waited inside until the Ramseys came home, everybody was asleep, and then he attacked John JonBenet. There are several people that say, no, that could have happened, never happens, won't ever happen. Uh, Do you want me to give you some other types of cases uh, that are similar? Because psychopaths do not perceive uh, fear the same way as normal people. Uh, Psychopaths are commonly described as people without a conscience. The way they process emotional information is completely different than normal people. They don't feel the same emotions as other people. And so this lack of fear and lack of emotions uh, is what we think occurred during the Ramsey case.
0: Bob, do you think the suspect, the individual that you feel may have been responsible for this? Considered other high net worth victims before picking John Binet Ramsey, or, or better put, based on not only your study of psychology but your countless years looking at this case. How was John Binet chosen as a victim?
1: You know that's uh, something that nobody but the suspect knows. Uh, we can speculate, but. Uh, only the suspect really knows the ramseys uh there was an article in the paper about a week or so before this case occurred which was congratulating mr ramsey and his company uh they had just made their 1 billion dollar sales mark so maybe the person had read that article i, I know that some people have speculated well john benet was in these uh, children beauty pageants. Maybe it was somebody that had seen her doing that. Mrs. Ramsey participated in the Parade of Homes, where people can go through and look at uh, elaborate Christmas decorations. You know, some people say, well, maybe the suspect had gone into their home during that time. So there's lots of speculation, but the bottom line is, we really don't know. Uh, Only the suspect knows.
0: As part of the attack cycle, clearly there was pre-operational surveillance done to your point, whether that entry happened one time or multiple times or or lord knows what, but there was also what I thought in your book where you outline all the facts, the cigarette butts that were found uh, in a neighbor's yard where someone perhaps had been there conducting reconnaissance. Can you elaborate a little bit on that?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, I wish I had more information on that. Uh, I did not find out about the cigarette butts until after I'd retired from the police department. So it was about 10 years after the case. But I was told by a person who had been involved, one of the deputy DAs, that an officer had gone out about a month before to a neighbor's house and there was a, a pile of cigarette butts. Now, keep in mind, this was before we had DNA. That matched this other suspect that I was just talking about. Uh, on some of the cases we know he did, there had been a pile of uh, cigarettes where this person apparently would surveil the house that he wanted to uh, enter and he would stand at a neighbor's house someplace where he had a view and watch his uh, potential victim.
0: Yeah, that's certainly very creepy. When you think about this case, is there anything that could have been done to prevent this from happening in your assessment?
1: You know, you're much more of an expert on risk than, than me. But, you know, I've heard people say stuff like, oh, well, the Ramses should have uh, repaired the broken basement window. Or why didn't they set their alarm? But I'm not going to put any blame on the Ramseys, because I look at everything in life is a risk it's just a scale you have low risk activity high risk activity and when you think about it the ramses were in their home in their beds asleep on christmas night in boulder colorado that is about the lowest risk activity that anybody could could be involved with so no i don't have to worry i'm not rich and and famous but if i was you have to look at risk as far as a balance. There's always a balance between security and freedom. So, you know, are, are you going to build a prison around yourself and not experience life? No, you can't do that. So I think the bottom line is you can take reasonable precautions. But keep in mind, there are some times that just bad things happen to good people. And I don't know that you could always prevent those.
0: We'll get back to the conversation in just a moment. But first, I wanted to tell you a little about OnTech's Center for Protective Intelligence. In the world of protective intelligence, we know that gathering and sharing information is crucial. That is why we created the OnTIC Center for Protective Intelligence. We are regularly sharing strategies and best practices, insights, Lessons learned from current and historical trends, as well as lessons learned from physical security experts like you. To find blogs, podcasts, webinars, white papers, and more, check out the center by visiting ontech.ai/center. That's ontech.ai/center. Bob, you, you did an outstanding job with the book on laying out the facts like I would expect from an old cop. But uh, it seems to me that this case has been hijacked by the media to some degree in that there is strong evidence of a stun gun being used on uh, the six-year-old John Benet at the time. There was a climbing rope involved. There was a beaver hair found at the crime scene. And then, of course, there was DNA. Now, I know that this occurred before DNA, but help me understand why there hasn't been more effort underway to run that DNA. Or perhaps I'm wrong, and there has been.
1: I retired from the police department uh, 16 years ago. So, of course, DNA started in Colorado, actually, to my knowledge this was the first case where we started submitting dna and uh, of course it's evolved over the years so i'm not sure uh what exactly they they have done and so i really uh, can't comment on that other than i will say this if you think that mrs ramsey murdered her daughter and mrs ramsey passed away believe, what was it, 2007 or 2008? If you think that she was the one that murdered her daughter, how much effort are you going to put into investigating this case and new leads? And the people at the Boulder Police Department were convinced, the people that were involved with this initial case. On the other side, you had people like Lou Smith, And there was a deputy DA and a detective from the sheriff's department that were convinced that the Ramseys were not involved. But unfortunately, what occurred was some uh, groupthink mentality and confirmation bias. And so, in my opinion, uh, they could have looked at some other people more.
0: Well, I think you're being very uh, diplomatic uh, with that. Uh, Clearly, the uh, killer came with a stun gun in, in all probability. Uh, I'm intrigued by the climbing rope. Uh, do you think he intended to utilize that perhaps to gain entry into the house?
1: Well, once again, as it turns out, the person that committed these other rapes happened to be a mountain climber, and he used to have climbing ropes. I know Lou uh, had asked the DA to try to test that for DNA when touch DNA came out, and. Uh, Never heard if they ever did it or not. Uh, however, I want to pick up on something you just said. It's true that the source of the cord, which was used to tie JonBenet, was never found. Nor was the uh, black duct tape that was put over her mouth. Nor were, I think there were seven or nine pages missing out of the notepad that was used to write the uh, ransom note. Those were never found. Stun gun was never found. There was a small artist paintbrush handle uh, that was broken into two pieces, and one piece of that handle was used to tie the end of the garage around John Bonet's neck. There was a piece of that paintbrush handle that was never found. Uh, you mentioned the beaver hair. Lou Smith, another detective, went through that entire house, could not find any other beavers' hairs. Uh there was also the high-tech shoe print that was found in the storage room right next to where John Bene was found. That's never been matched to anybody. Uh so all this information again indicates that the suspect brought this these devices with him and took them with them when he left.
0: Yeah, and from a lessons learned perspective, it it certainly would would be great for the suspect to be arrested and get a clear picture as to how long this was put into place and exactly what transpired. Do you think this case will ever be solved,
1: Bob? You know, again, it's speculation. There, There is the DNA. So you never know. Maybe somebody, the suspect is on their deathbed. Maybe they'll confess to it. Or maybe there was so much evidence collected. Maybe if somebody goes through all that, they'll find something that fell through the cracks in the system. So, you know, you don't want to give up hope, uh, but it has been 24 years. So.
0: Retired Detective Lou Smith sounds like uh, the kind of guy that you would want on any case. Tell me a little bit about Lou.
1: Yeah, Lou is great. Uh, as I said, I didn't meet him till after I left, uh, but he had worked uh, 200 homicide cases, and he had a 90% clearance rate uh, compared to the national average, which is usually about, uh, runs between 60 and 65. He was very meticulous. He would point out things to me that I wouldn't see. Uh, he could point out little pieces of evidence or little things to make note of. And I just completely agree with with everything that we discussed in this case, and all the unfortunately he had uh, cancer, and uh, he passed away. Because this is the type of case. I, uh, the last I heard a couple of years ago, there was over sixty thousand pages of documents in this case. So, you know, after Lou passed away, there was some information that came up. I wish he would have been here so I could ask him about it, but he was just a. a Good person, legitimately good person. He cared. He was a great detective. He had 40-some-odd you know, years as a police officer. And that's another thing. He spent a lot of time with the Ramses, and he was convinced that they did not murder their daughter. You know, John Douglas, I mentioned all these different people, but John Douglas interviewed the Ramses. He said they didn't murder their daughter. They took polygraphs and passed the polygraphs. So,
0: And John was uh, the legendary mind hunter at part of the FBI Behavioral Sciences Unit. Right. Bob, is there anything that you would like to say that I haven't asked you?
1: Well, actually, if you want to give me just a couple minutes, I I would like to talk a little bit about psychopathy. Fire away. Okay, because this is extremely important. And if anybody's interested in this, uh, everything that I'm about to tell you is based on Dr. Robert Hare, H-A-R-E, his research, go to his website uh, and look it up. It's been validated by hundreds of other researchers. But uh, Dr. Hare identified several behaviors and uh, characteristics of psychopaths. And one of the big ones is uh, this lack of fear. Uh, They don't feel emotions like normal people, so they don't have the feeling of guilt, remorse, empathy, and they're basically fearless people. That's why some people said, oh, the suspect will never go in a house and wait for somebody. Some of the other characteristics about uh, psychopaths, they're uh, very spontaneous people. Uh, somebody can say something or look at them the wrong way, I'll set them off. Richard Kalinsky, the Iceman, murdered a person that, that stepped into the alley to urinate they are narcissistic egotistical selfish people uh, always put their welfare before anybody else uh, they live parasitic lifestyles they live off of other people and they're criminally versatile they uh, will not only do crimes against persons but they will also do theft burglary robbery anything for money there is a positive correlation between psychopaths and sex crimes and john benet ramsey was sexually assaulted, there was a fire particle from the uh, paintbrush handle found in her vagina. Another thing that's very important, we know Bonet was alive when she was being tortured right before her death. She had petitorial hemorrhaging in the eyes and the heart. Uh, the examination of her vaginal area showed that she was alive. Something Lou always said is, red is before dead. John Bonnet had marks on her back, shoulders and on her neck, indicating she was alive. You mentioned the stun gun marks. Why would Mrs. Ramsey stun gun her, her daughter? Why would she sexually assault her daughter? Why would she tie her daughter up, uh, her hands, and then put this grot around her neck? You want to give me a couple more minutes? Sure. Because I want to mention a couple other cases to just highlight this, where fear does not play a role with cycles psychopaths, Uh, starting with, with Ted Bundy. Ted in Tallahassee went into one victim's residence waiting for her to come home. She didn't come home. So then he went out to a nightclub. Then in the middle of the night, he went into the sorority where he attacked the four women, killing two of them. You would think at that point, Ted would want to get as far away from that sorority as possible because police are responding. But he didn't. He goes back to the duplex which is right next door to the original target and he ended up killing her this whole lack of fear this perception of fear is completely different for psychopaths you go back to the polyclostase. days uh poly was 12 years old richard davis goes into the house her mother or sister were asleep she had two friends in the same room with her he kidnaps her and subsequently killed her uh, you look at BTK, Dennis Rader, Wichita, Kansas. He went into a house with a fi- family. He ends up killing the mother, the father, a young boy, and a little girl. All these cases involved either rape or some abnormal sexual behavior. There's one study that looked at serial killers that shows that 90% of serial killers are both psychopathic and sadistic. And this is what happened to John Wayne Ramsey. And this is why we're saying it wasn't the Ramses. This was a sadistic psychopath who committed this, this crime.
0: Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that, uh, Bob. And uh, I encourage uh, our listeners that would like more information surrounding this case uh, to take a look at Bob's book, Injustice, which you can get on uh, Amazon and uh, I'm sure at other places. Uh, so, Lots of lessons to be learned in this case from the protective security aspect as well. Bob, thank you so much for being on the ONTIC Protective Intelligence Podcast.
1: Well, thank you very much.
0: This episode was brought to you by the ONTIC Center for Protective Intelligence. Learn more at ONTIC.ai slash center. Again, that's ontic.ai slash center. It was produced by A.J. McKeon. Our music is a track called Monte Verde Ride and was written by Brian Bristow and performed by Smokin' Novas. Check them out on Spotify. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcast at or visit ontech.ai slash center for more information. And thanks for listening.